What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSEN. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. It is a numbers game. Gil Alexander, good Monday morning to you. VSEN.com, the VSEN app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. Hope you had a uh, fine weekend. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Uh, Jeff, before we go on any further, uh, for those who are listening and are not watching, I am uh, still in quarantine at my uh, palatial apartment here in Las Vegas. Not palatial at all. Just kidding. Uh, you are in the studio holding it down. How was your weekend, man? Uh, it was. Uh, it was. A, it was a weekend. Uh, I will say, Gil. Uh... The, the thing I was rooting for the most this weekend was, uh, you know, our guy Brian Ortega, who does a great job helping uh, yes. Jason Kahn with the Megapod throughout the year. Our guy Ortega had a 400-to-1 ticket on yesterday's golf event on Bo Hostler that oh. was oh so close to getting home yesterday. Oh, well, that was, of course, won by the great Tom Hoagie, the uh, AT&T Pro-Am. My uh, partner on Primetime Action, Matt Brown, had Hoagie at 60-1 to pre-flop. Hits that a week after he hits Luke List at 83-1. to So how about that to start your golf Pretty season? Pretty good. At 83 to one and a 60 to one where he was joking. He was like, I don't have to have another top 10 the rest of the year and I'm good. Uh, so that's a heck of a way to uh, start a golf season. By the way, we will have Wes Reynolds on to talk a little golf with. We'll also talk some college hoops with him. See if he has any picks today. Big Kansas, Texas game later, uh, how he feels about the weekend in college hoops. And of course, his thoughts, maybe his favorite Super Bowl prop. That's kind of the deal with every guest this week. We'll ask him what their favorite Super Bowl prop is. Jeff and I will roll out some of of ours today and the big uh the big guest today by the way jvt also joining us today to talk nba log jam on top of the uh, eastern conference but rufus peabody will join us today in the second hour and for those who are unfamiliar with rufus or only casually familiar with rufus while art man terrace and jimmy vaccaro were the ones responsible for first putting up exotic Super Bowl props and then marketing them, them well through the years from William the Refrigerator Perry back in January of 1986 to score a touchdown, sort of spawning this whole generation of Super Bowl props to what it is now. Rufus was the guy on the betting side who really popularized it as a betting vehicle to exploit. And Rufus did that back in the year with his team. He's no longer with the team. Uh, but when he had his team of four, 
That's how he really made his fame. Articles written about him um, proliferated, and that was how the Westgate opening on Thursday night, the week before Super Bowl week, came to really gain popularity as well. And Rufus will join us to talk about how he first decided it was something to exploit, how it's evolved through the years, how it's changed this year, because they're out like right after the championship games end. So how it's changed, how he's had to bet them, and of course, what some of his Super Bowl props are for you to actually still bet. So we'll talk to Rufus about all that. Uh, Jeff, I don't know how much you love Super Bowl prop season, but do you have a few you'd like to share today? So, uh, Gil, uh, we're talking about it last week. Uh, I, I'm pretty patient, all things considered, on this because I don't usually bet overs for the most part. But I do have one in pocket, and I discussed it a lot with Adam Burke, uh, on Bet Center on uh, on Saturday night, and that was uh, that's T Higgins over receptions five and a half. Uh, Gil T Higgins played three less games than Jamar Chase this year, and only ended up with 13 less targets than Chase did. And we saw it in the AFC Championship game. Chase was taken out of the game. Who had the big game? T Higgins had seven for 90, 91 yards. So T Higgins over five and a half receptions is actually the only bet I currently have in pocket period from the prop perspective. All right. I like it. T Higgins, because all these props are all about opportunities and that's a great way to look at it with targets for T Higgins. Uh, So I'll just, talk about one or two of them as the show goes on and maybe we'll add some during the week i'm like you i'm not the biggest super bowl prop better uh come to be known on the uh, beating the book podcast for years for nailing super bowl half times will bruno mars wear a hat that kind of nonsense um but as far as this game is concerned first of all national anthem for those wondering uh mickey guyton said it about 95 seconds which is really low for national anthem props there's only one available uh, national anthem of hers on youtube it was 85 brisk seconds so i'm not betting the national anthem she just pounds it from the beginning she just goes nuts on it uh real quick the tempo of the national anthem so i'm not willing to go under on something like 135 because she could obviously pace herself differently uh during the super bowl of course that will leak probably the friday night before the big game as always so no play on that the biggest one for me right off the top And this comes down to no football kind of crunching between the Bengals and the Rams themselves. Um, But for those who missed this, this is probably the best sort of Intel driven prop that there is out there. And this is a prop that we on a numbers game have talked about year after year after year, which is, will there be a touchback on the opening kickoff? And for years, when we did it on this show, Jeff, we would go through the two teams. I remember one year when we had, it was a, uh, it was a Patriots. I want to say it was the Patriots Rams Super Bowl, where I talked about, here's the rate of touchback from Steven Gostkowski. Here's the rate of touchback for both teams. Here's also the, you know, percentage of times that each team defers or accept the kickoffs. And we did it very mathematically. And generally speaking, that's how without Intel, you should do a prop like that. And it's actually easily sort of trackable. And then you come to your conclusion based on the betting line, as you should with anything. Well, I don't know if you saw this last year with Pat McAfee, but a, uh, a young man by the name of C. Jackson Coward over at the score did a great piece on this Friday. Um, and when you're when you have COVID and you're in quarantine, you have endless amounts of time to uh, stumble on things like that. 
But Steve Jackson Coward referred to Pat McAfee before last year's Super Bowl, before last year's Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Bucks. And he was talking about how the no on the touchback was like plus 270 was like some. This is how the number used to be back in the day. But it was Harrison Butker, particularly that drove that number so high because the thinking was he had a very high rate of touchbacks. Um, And so the no ought to be priced at about plus 270. But what Pat McAfee was talking about, actual former NFL kicker who actually kicked in a Super Bowl, he kicked in the Super Bowl for the Colts. Uh, the one that the Colts ultimately lost to the New Orleans Saints famously. And what he essentially said was, um, this was on his podcast last year, he's like, look, guys, this is not your normal kickoff for any old NFL game on any old NFL weekend. Um, what this is, because in those instances during a regular season, you're able to, as a kicker, mess with the football, practice with the football, basically wear it in. And during the Super Bowl, what he said was it was like kicking a brick. And what he meant by that was there is no pregame ability to mess with the football, to wear it in, to practice with it. It's essentially a football that appears right before the opening kickoff. You're made to kick off with it. And then they take that ball immediately, seal it or however they package it, Jeff, and they send it quickly to the NFL Hall of Fame. So what you what you have in essence is a is a rock according to Pat McAfee. Now you we had never heard this before from anybody because kickers don't have podcasts generally speaking podcasts obviously just a new development new advent in technology. Uh, kicker's not exactly the go-to person for NFL studio shows or any kind of analysis. But Pat McAfee had this platform and he shared this. And when he talked about it last year, he immediately said when he heard the number from his uh, co-host or from his uh, producers on the show, he's like, "Uh, we should bet that like immediately. And sure enough, no touchback on the opening kickoff occurred last year. Now, when you go back in Super Bowl history, and here's where I shout out C. Jackson Coward from the score, he actually did the research. And what he found is that from 1994, and you know, Jeff, this is not a show where we like trends. We're not into, oh, this happened this many times out of this many times, so therefore it is likely to happen again. Most trends are not predictive. But when you have intel like this from an actual NFL player, that sort of changes the scales. And so C. Jackson Coward of the score went back, and since 1994, 26 of the last 28 opening kickoffs in the Super Bowl have resulted in no touchback, no touchback. So this year, we're not getting the plus 270 on the no. We're getting about anywhere between like plus 135 to plus 160. Essentially, that's a bet, period. The no, even though it's not the sexy plus 270, if you're getting good plus money still at plus 135 to plus 160, this was a Detroit Tigers baseball team betting plus 135 to plus 160 at the Yankees. We think it's a terrible price. But for this, despite the fact that it used to be a sexier price, this is still awesome based on that intel from McAfee. The other, the only two kickers, by the way, who were able to kick it into the end zone, Justin Tucker, the greatest kicker of all time, right, with the most powerful leg perhaps of all time, During that Ravens-Niners Super Bowl after the 2012 season, which the Ravens eventually won that game. Uh, And then Matt Bosher of the Falcons, who could forget Matt Bosher, who was a kickoff specialist, if you recall, for the Atlanta Falcons 
in the Super Bowl after the 2016 season, the Super Bowl famously that the Patriots came back from a 28 to three deficit. So will the opening kickoff be a touchback? No is the bet at plus money. Shop around, get the best price you can get. Don't know how you feel about that, Jeff. Well, when Pat McAfee, who, as we know, is a pretty honest guy on top of being pretty good at his job uh, now as a radio host, says that, Gil, you, you listen. And look, you just backed it up completely. I would never have guessed Matt Bosher was one of two to have yeah. him in recent times. Would never have guessed that. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty unbelievable set. And like I said, we were all we were all so super diligent back in the day doing it with oh this team defers at this rate, this team touches back at this rate. It's all the intel you need. That to me is the best Super Bowl prop on the board. Coming back, Wes Reynolds talk college basketball, golf, and football. NFL that is with us. It's a numbers game at Visa Sports Betting now. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. With the big game right around the corner, it's time to download BetMGM Sports. It is Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Just download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Gil Alexander, live from my apartment here in Las Vegas. Middle of the strip. Find me if you can. Uh, Jeff Parlay holding everything down, uh, producer number five and eight back there in the studio at the uh, mothership at the South Point. Uh, appreciate it. If anything goes wrong, Jeff will be here to make sure everything 
is resurrected. Wes Reynolds joins us now. He is the glue that holds the whole operation together at VEASAN. Also the co-host, of course, at Long Shots. You can follow him on Twitter at Wes Reynolds one That's the number one. Good morning to you, Wes. Good morning, Gail. How are you? I'm doing very well, man. I appreciate it. Uh, let's start with golf, because there's a lot I want to ask you about. But let's start specifically with golf and the AT&T Pro-Am yesterday. Tom Hoagie is your winner. 19 under par for uh, Mr. Hoagie. He gets it done. What ends up being a two-stroke, uh, two-shot win over Jordan Spieth, who ends up 17 under, three strokes ahead of Hostler, who was 16 under. It was a tournament that looked like it was going to fall to Spieth. And then all of a sudden, he came up short on an approach shot at 17. Meanwhile, Hoagie with a great birdie putt on the same hole. Uh, did you have Hoagie? Did you have anybody in contention in this one? Yeah, it was a good result for Team and myself and Brady Cannon, also on Tom Hoagie. I know Matt Brown, your partner on Primetime Action, also had Tom Hoagie. And yeah, it was a really good result for us. 60 to 1, 9 of 9 greens and regulation on the back nine for Tom Hoagie. Seven approaches inside of 20 feet. The average proximity, 15 and a half feet, and then 2.3 strokes gained approach just on the back nine. So Tom Hoagie, you know, when we model this stuff, Gil, and we look at all the different categories, strokes gained approach, strokes gained off the tee, proximity, all the different stats that we monitor. Tom Hoagie was number one in this field when Daniel Berger withdrew from the tournament last Wednesday. Wow. Hoagie was number one in this field for strokes gained approach over the course of the last 24 rounds, and it showed on the back nine on Sunday. So let's ask about this. So Hoagie was in this Hostler, Bo Hostler, uh, Merritt, Putnam, Damon, not exactly household golf names. And so I'm curious if you have found early this season for a more random, uh, more random names to show up at tops of leaderboards, random meaning to the casual golfer, uh, golf fan rather, or the casual golf better, or if this was just a uh, AT&T thing. And then I guess the follow-up to that is, what do you have for the Masters? Does Jordan Spieth, who's now the second short shot at the Masters, is he going to get more of your attention and perhaps more of your money? You know, Gil, for your first question, it's a little bit of both because this is now back-to-back -back weeks on the PGA Tour where we have first-time winners of guys that aren't exactly young guys. These are guys, I think it was like 206 starts for Luke List before he finally got his first win at the Farmers Insurance. And Tom Hoagie, not far behind, 203 starts on the PGA Tour for him to get his first win. Second part of it, yeah, this might be a little bit of a Pebble Beach thing because this was a little bit of a downfield. You did not have a lot of the top players in the official world golf rankings. You had 20 of the top 50 that went over to take the uh, money over in Saudi Arabia and played on what is now an Asian tour event, the Saudi uh, Invitational won by Harold Varner. So, yeah, this was a little bit of a downfield, so that opens it up for guys like Hoagie that kind of play well on these coastal courses to go ahead and win this thing. In terms of the Masters, I'm slowly adding to the portfolio here because the Masters, of course, is up for several months. It's not like, okay, we put it up two weeks before the event kind of like where you don't have a lot of lead time to bet into this. So obviously the prices are going to change 
uh, very dramatically over time. As soon as somebody wins or has a really good event, those prices are going to get chopped. So I've only got one right now in the account, and it's very chalky play. It's Justin Thomas at 14 to 1. I think he's going to win a major this year. I just think getting Bones McKay, who is Phil Mickelson's longtime caddy, getting him on the back, I think is going to make the difference. And Justin Thomas, by his standards last year, had a really disappointing year, despite the fact that he won one of the year's biggest tournament at the Players' Championship down at TPC Sawgrass. But there's a reason why Bones McKay came back, and he basically said it because he was doing TV for Golf Channel and for NBC. And he was like, I was only going to come back for a guy like Justin Thomas, one of the best players in the world, and I think that's going to be a fruitful partnership. I have one master's bet myself, uh, Wes, and it's with the great research of I just have a feeling uh, and that's Jason Day at 40 to 1. Took a flyer on Jason Day. That's it. No other no other basis for it whatsoever. But I, I too, have been nitty so far with the Masters bets. Um, let's switch to college basketball for a second. Jeff and I were uh, texting during Auburn's uh, squeak-by win over Georgia down in Georgia on Saturday morning. Auburn still with only one defeat on the season, a double overtime loss at that. And it sort of occurs to me if they were to win out uh, regular season, SCC tournament, obviously March madness, it would, you could make the argument. It would be the greatest season since the Indiana Hoosiers of 1975, because their only loss would be a double overtime loss. But I'm curious how you feel about their chances of getting through. Let's forget about the tournaments, just the regular season here now with uh, less than 10 games left. I believe it's eight games left. Your, your feeling on them getting through unscathed. Well, I, I, the schedule sets up because they don't have to go play Kentucky and Rupp arena, who I think is really their biggest challenger And Kentucky, by the way, very much a Final Four contender. But if you look at Auburn, look, the talent is there. They have a guy that's going to be a lottery pick, Jabari Smith, and a high lottery pick. He's going to be a one-and-done down low. And also Walker Kessler, the transfer from North Carolina. So they've got shot blockers that kind of help of what Bruce Pearl wants to play defensively because they press. So that means that they gamble a lot for steals in the backcourt. Well, you can do that when you've got Smith and Kessler down there to erase shots and they're number one in shot block percentage in the country. So, look, this is a team that could go a long way. I'm not a believer that they are clearly the best team in the country, even though they're number one. Gonzaga looks very darn good in terms of their offense. Uh, they're just so explosive. They're pulling away from good teams in that West Coast Conference. I think Kentucky's right there. Purdue, I still think, is there. Purdue's got to get a little bit better defensively because they're number one offensively in terms of efficiency. But they have really struggled to, I think, guard uh, on the ball. This is not a vintage Matt Painter defensive team. Boy, I would love to see a Bruce Pearl who has uh, been to a bunch of Sweet 16s in his career um, over time, but only one Final Four where Auburn famously lost to Virginia uh, in dramatic fashion in 2019. Would love to see him get back. Uh, we have a couple minutes, Wes. Super Bowl props. I haven't heard if you have a favorite or if you have bet any yet. I've only, I only have a couple. I'm kind of uh, working on this as we go along the week gradually. And one of the things that Matt Brown and I talked about on Friday on PTA was if you like overs with these high-profile players, get them early. 
don't wait until this weekend when everybody kind of comes into town and most of the money now finally gets bet. And, of course, they're going to bet overs on a lot of these uh, props with the high-profile guys. So I didn't do receptions or yards with them, but I went with longest reception, and I found, I think, a little bit of value in a Cooper Cup over. And I went over 28 and a half yards on this one for that to be his longest reception. If you look, he's gone over this mark, I believe, 15 of 20 games. The median number is 36. He is a big yard after catch guy. So that was the one I found value. I think if you're doing receptions or yards or, you know, anytime touchdown, all that value is going to be taxed immediately. Now, betters are still going to bet it, Gil, but... I think that that's where the value has gone, and that's where you want to dig a little deeper if you want to exploit a high-usage receiver like Cup. Same advice holds uh, for, for under-betters that they should wait if if they want to go under? Yeah, more often than not, I would think so, unless you think you have an ad, edge right now. Like, I know people have been looking at Mixon combined receiving and rushing yards. If you think you got the edge now, go ahead and bet it. But by and large, as a general rule, I would wait maybe until the weekend when some of the money starts coming into town. People start getting here on Thursday. You know, wait till Saturday, maybe Sunday morning. Get your apps and whatnot if you don't want to wait in those long lines on Sunday before the game. Then I think you can go under on a lot of these position player props. All right. And your favorite college basketball play tonight, Wes, is? I'm going to take a shot and go against Duke, uh, uh, much to my potential peril, because they look very good, like they're a Final Four contender. But I'm going to take UVA, and they've been a little down this year, a lot down this year, but they're getting 12 here. Duke off that short-term turnaround, whipping North Carolina and Coach K's final visit to Chapel Hill. I'm going to take Virginia plus 12. Wes, you're the best. Appreciate it, man. You got it, Gil. Thanks for having me. Wes Reynolds, everybody. Jeff and I come back. More Super Bowl prop talk next. Numbers game, VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Back on a numbers game brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. Don't forget, get ready to watch the big game, are you? I know you are. We want to make sure VEASAN is part of your plans. On Championship Weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VEASAN.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. That is our sixth annual. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VEASAN betting experts before, during, and after the action on VEASAN.com. It's Gil Alexander, quarantined in the old apartment here in, uh, in Las Vegas. I'm fine. It ran through me sort of similar to the, uh, the common cold. Jeff, thanks for asking, by the way, Jeff. Uh, how I was doing. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like the common cold. Maybe like the worst day was a little worse with body chills, but essentially uh, the vid has gone through me. So all good. Uh, I'll be back in the studio later this later this week. But Jeff is uh, there to hold the fort if anything goes wrong. We get tweets at beating the book. Uh, this is from Fadi Bahura. Welcome back, sir. Producer Ocho Cinco. That's what they're calling you, Jeff. Now Ocho Cinco. You like that? No. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't think I can hold the candle to the original Ocho Cinco. That's the only issue there. Uh, Ocho Cinco. Producer Ocho Cinco did a great job holding it down in your absence. Uh, yes, you did, Jeff. By the way, you did a spectacular job. All applause and thanks to Jeff Parlay, everybody. 
Um, he said, also, I rode Sosa and Tabilo the whole week in tennis. Only one loss on Tabilo yesterday. You are the man, Gil. By the way, we do have a tennis pick coming up later. Uh, four global tournaments happening simultaneously. Three on the men's side, one on the ladies' side this week. So we will have tennis picks. I think I have one tennis pick today, though, as those tournaments get underway. Uh, this is from uh, Kenneth913. Time to end the Pro Bowl game. Watch some of the game, and it's like watching a practice. If there's no incentives for the players uh, to play, what is the point? Is it just me? Jeff, did you watch any of the Pro Bowl yesterday? I sure did for about 90 seconds. 90 seconds, Gil. You know, they used to... They used to act like they wanted to play, right? Sean Taylor famously uh, with with a big hit uh, in the game. But like that's our that's our only Pro Bowl memory of like the last two decades. But at least they went through the motions. Now they don't even go through the motions. What are we doing with that? That that was has that ever has it ever been like that before this year where they just kind of like, yeah, you can score. No problem. I'm not going to try to. I don't remember the two hand touch, Gil. This this was new. The two hand touch. I don't know. You know, you know, kids, they learn football playing seven on seven or five by five when they play touch football. And they played until middle school, generally in this country, uh, when they finally put on pads. And you wonder if the Pro Bowl should just go to an unpadded seven by seven touch football game versus the, the 11 by 11, you know, padded touch football game they played yesterday. And then, like, make linemen and kickers and punters play skill positions, kids might actually watch that kind of game uh, and learn something about being small or big and still being able to run, cover, catch, or throw. Maybe the players might actually try. Um, That was just a travesty yesterday. This is from NFL Handicapper. I tuned in just now at uh, 912 Central, and the first words I heard were, that to me is the best Super Bowl prop on the board. Uh, What is it? Um, It was, again, from the previous segment. We'll read more tweets as the show goes on. But opening kickoff to be a touchback, to me, again, the best bet on the board, no, at anywhere from plus 135 upwards, really anything in plus money. I won't go through the dissertation again, but it's uh, it's a shout out to Pat McAfee for something he talked about on his podcast last year, um, having kicked the opening kickoff in a Super Bowl himself, and a shout out uh, to a gentleman who works at the score by the name of C. Jackson Coward for doing the research that 24 out of the last 26 opening kickoffs in the Super Bowl have not been a touchback, but it has to do with McAfee's explanation of how that ball is different than any other ball. So that's the best on the board. But I will give another one. Now, this is this is far less sexy because this is not plus money, Jeff. And this is not only minus money. It's not for everybody. This is about a minus 300 sort of prop bet, but just – For those who are inclined to bet things that have edges, despite what the price may be, meaning going by the the motto that value is value, let's go to another kicker prop. This one is, will there be an extra point missed? Will there be an extra point missed? And we're talking about Matt Gay for the L.A. Rams, and we're talking about Evan McPherson of the Cincinnati Bengals. And simply put, you look at their stats this year, and we did this, you and I, Jeff, at the end of the uh, at the end of the regular season, heading into the playoffs. But Evan McPherson now regular season and postseason, regular season and postseason, fifty of fifty-two on extra points, hasn't missed one in the postseason. Fifty of fifty-two 
on extra points, regular season and postseason. Matt Gay, regular season and postseason. 53 of 54 extra points made. So you put those two together. Boop, 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 boop. 103 out of 106, the two of them, extra points this year. 103 for 106, that is 97.17%. 103 out of 106, McPherson and Gay combined. Now, what is the what is the prop? Will there be an extra point missed? The no is minus 330. So in order to make a bet on the no, the no would have to be a more favorable uh, proposition than the 97.17% conversion rate. Well, minus 330 money line conversion translates to only 76.7%. So the minus 330 is actually a bargain. Actually a bargain. I get it. It's not for anybody. By the way, minus 330 is just sort of my average of what I saw in this prop. I get that. I get it that that's not for everybody. Most people do this casually. Most people do this for entertainment. Um, We tried to sort of walk through the touchback one in a certain way last a couple segments ago. But for those who are inclined to bet things that where the motto again is value is value minus three thirty, will there be an extra point missed? Um, The no that there will not be an extra point missed. The no at minus three thirty, sort of a double negative, right? Will there be an extra point missed? No, minus three thirty is actually a bargain. Hope that makes sense, Jeff. It's funny because the other prop that I was looking at and haven't bet yet is a kicker-related prop, Gil. Um, Love the kicker-related prop. Yeah. Yeah. Now look, we we talked about it. We talked about it. Going into the AFC Championship game, Paul Carr actually gave away this bet on Friday, and I I agree with him uh, 100% on this, Gil. Uh, Evan McPherson over one and a half field goals. Evan McPherson over seven and a half points. Uh, Cincinnati's offensive line is so bad that they're going to have to be forced into kicking kicking more than they would like. Because in the red zone, especially in this postseason, they've struggled because of the uh, the offensive line, and they've had to and they've had to uh, kick field goals because of those offensive line struggles. Uh, on your bet, Gil, I, look, I, I definitely wouldn't bet the yes on that on the missed PAT. Those guys are rock solid, and Matt Gay's problems in this postseason have strictly been on kicks ten yards longer. Than PATs, so look. I don't know if I have the stomach to lay uh, three uh, to lay uh, three thirty, but uh, I definitely wouldn't want the yes to miss a PAT in this uh, in this Super Bowl. And yours was what on McPherson over one and a half field goals made? Is that uh, yeah? So so uh, Paul Carr uh, had had over one and a half field goals made in in this game for McPherson. Uh, I like that. I actually like the seven and a half points more for McPherson. Uh, I like them both, but I think both of them will get yeah. there in the end. I, I think Cincinnati think Cincinnati's going to be kicking a bunch of field goals in this game, Gil. Well, you know, well, you know what's been at least it was lost on me. I shouldn't speak for, on behalf of anybody else, but do you know what he is field goal kicking just during the postseason? He's twelve for twelve. Like the dude, they first of all, I didn't realize because you you know you watch the game and you're concerned about other things, not necessarily field goal kicking. He's four for four in each of their postseason games already. The fact that he's had that many opportunities and he sunk each and every one of them—that's unbelievable. That Evan McPherson in this postseason 
is 12 for 12. Robbie Gould for the whole regular season was like 22 of 25, just to give you some indication of how the volume of actual kicks. So that's pretty good logic on that. Um, a couple minutes here before the break, I just wanted to say this too, because I'm always aware that most people haven't listened for years and years, but there's a question that I've been asking bookmakers as far back as 10, 11 years ago when I first started doing a podcast. Uh, and I remember asking some offshore bookmaker this over a decade ago, which was, you know, what, what's the prop that trips up people the most? And the answer is, will a team score? Will, will, will either team score three or more unanswered scores? And most people will look at that and they'll say three unanswered scores. It's the Super Bowl. My God, these are the two best teams in football. Of course, it's difficult to score three uh, times in a row. Extra points not included, by the way. But and, and they say yes is minus 200 and the no is plus 175. Oh, my God. What great value that seems to be on the no at, at such plus money. But the truth is it happens all the time. And a yes at minus 200 for either team scoring three or more unanswered scores is actually properly priced. So don't be fooled by that prop. That's the prop that trips up most casual bettors the most. Coming back, JVT on the NBA next. Numbers Game Visa in the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game. And if either team hits a three-pointer, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use bonus code VSIN200 when you make your first bet. Plus, you'll earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed for online bonuses or converted into comps at over 20 MGM resorts nationwide. BetMGM, proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA, proud to be a sponsor of this program. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code VSIN200 to win $200 in free bets if a three-pointer is made in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. It's a numbers game at Vista, the Sports Betting Network. Gil Alexander, live from the uh, from the apartment here in Las Vegas. Back in studio later this week. Jeff Parlay holding down the fort at the mothership. He is our senior NBA analyst. He is also half of the Edge co-host team with uh, Matt Humans, of course. Ladies and gentlemen, you can follow him on Twitter at MeJVT. It's the great Jonathan Von Tobel. How you doing, JVT? I'm good. Super Bowl week is here, so I'm very excited for that. Jaron Jackson Jr. continues to prove his defensive prowess on the basketball court. Everything's going well, Gil. You have Jaron Jackson for a defensive player of the year. Any other anything? Yeah, I got him at 300 to one, and this has been behind the campaign oh. to kind of to push him forward. Yeah, and he's a. Uh, He's been uh, the subject uh, of quite the drop on the odds. I think some spots have him as low as like plus 550 now or something like that. So uh, with the with the guys injured at the top, because Rudy Gobert still out, Draymond Green still out, yeah. uh, it's actually a pretty good opportunity here for Jaron Jackson Jr. to do it. It's It would be pretty rare. We got to talk to Brian Windhorst last week, and, you know, he is the best defensive player on the best defensive team since the end of November, but uh, usually it's a reputation award, and he has not made an all-defensive team yet. He's going to be on one this year, but uh, it would be quite the surprise to see him do it. But the odds have definitely plummeted. John, my favorite JVT version is the version that campaigns for guys for awards. That's my oh. favorite version of you. Didn't you? Oh, didn't you right. do a Harden campaign? Was that the? What's that the one? I, I, the ill-fated shameless. <laughs> Yeah, I'm shameless. I'll do it. I'll do it all the time. Uh, last year, my two guys were uh, James Harden to win MVP, which I will always say he was actually he had a pretty strong campaign and then he got hurt and then they got completely derailed. Uh, also, it was uh, for the one that was successful was Julius Randle for most improved player. Uh, and it, that got yes. ugly that, that, that bled on the Reddit message boards and I was getting into fights with people. It just it was getting ridiculous. I'll help you out on the Jaron Jackson thing, man. Anything I can do, I, I'd like to love to see you get that home. And you're right; like it's so de- he so deserves it, but it's reputation, and we'll see if that mm-hmm. uh, if that manifests. I have a lot to ask you about. Let's just start with the most recent, which was yesterday. Um, and I'm just curious what you took away. What what was the biggest lesson from yesterday, if there was? I don't want to like exaggerate one game, but Philly obviously and Chicago was a huge game yesterday morning, 40 and 10, yet another double double for Embiid. Uh, DeMar DeRozan drops 45, but Philly gets it done pretty. I mean, it was pretty cruisy. Wasn't the, wasn't the most tightly contested game. Uh, and then uh, Nikola Jokic, man, that's his seventh triple double in his last 13 games. And the nuggets beat the nets. The nets have lost eight in a row. Now this was a Kyrie driven nets team yesterday uh, of the big three. What's the biggest takeaway of all those? 
So I think really when it comes to, we can tie the two big guys together. And I've kind of said this now for the last week or so, uh, when it comes to this MVP race, because everybody likes to talk about it, uh, those two are in their own stratosphere. It is those two and it is everybody else that is trying to keep up with them. Uh, Joel Embiid, we ha- he has the statistical output. He's been incredible. I think it's like, what, like 19 consecutive 25 or more point games or whatever it is at this point right now, included in, with this stretch that he's on. And Nikola Jokic, as you mentioned, he's a statistical marvel. When he's on the court, they are, in terms of net rating, better than the Phoenix Suns. And when he is off the court, they are worse than the Detroit Pistons. What he has done for that team is absolutely incredible. Incredible. But voters don't really like that. And Embiid has something going for him, which is narrative, right? His second best player, Ben Simmons, has not been there all season long. So he deserves to be the favorite because I think voters will go in that way. But the takeaway there for those two is just that it's it's just those two. And that's it. And John Morant is, I think, behind them. But he's in that weird little stratosphere all on his own, uh, kind of in, the, uh, in, in purgatory. And then there's everybody else behind those three. But at that point, it's just those two. And I'll say this, because I think there's a takeaway for the 76ers opponent as well, Gil. The Bulls, I wrote about this when they lost Alex Caruso to injury. They are going to be bad defensively, and it has really been a while since they have put together a really good defensive stretch here. If you look at these last few games that they have played the Chicago Bulls, because yesterday defensive rating of 129.3 against the Philadelphia 76ers, if you're going all the way back to January 7th, defensive rating of 119.4 per 100 possessions in non-garbage time, it's one of the worst you're going to see. This is a really bad Bulls defense. And as a result in those games, 13-4-1 to the over. It's going to be a high-scoring team, but their defense is going to be awful. So you got to keep that in mind with Chicago as we move forward. And with Brooklyn, like when I say I don't want to punt on them, it's that I don't want to say no shot they're winning the title. Because if those three get on the floor together, they're still going to be absolutely incredible. But with the noise around Harden and whether or not he wants to be there and the fact that Kevin Durant is still injured, like this is going to be a play-in team. And if that's going to be... Uh, a ro- excuse me, a home game, right? Let's say you get, you finish seventh. That doesn't help you because you're not going to have Kyrie Irving out there. So th- it's definitely on tenuous footing the season for the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, so let's let's go with that. What you're just talking about. Mm-hmm. So log jam at the top of the Eastern Conference. The the first the top five teams: Heat, Bulls, Bucks, Cavs, and Sixers, all within a game and a half of each other. The difference between the fifth team and the eighth team is three games. So from the Sixers to the Raptors, Nets, and Celtics, we're only talking about three games. That's the difference between being locked into a playoff position one through six versus having to be in a playoff in a play in rather situation at seven or eight, or excuse me at, yeah, at seven or eight, nine or 10, not that far behind either, but let's throw them aside for a second. But essentially, I guess what I'm getting at is one of these teams, JVT or two of them, um, perhaps, that we're just so inclined to believe are, okay, you know, Heat, Bulls, Bucks, Cavs, Sixers, those are the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference. But it's very possible that one or two of them, and you just alluded to it, could fall into a play-in situation. The Nets are already in play-in situation. So is there a no, is there a, to make or miss the playoffs, is there a miss playoffs bet somewhere on one of these teams that might have an outstanding price that we should consider? So the one that I had brought up last week was actually Chicago. And, and, you know, I brought up the defensive issues that they're having. Like that's not going anywhere. Like they're going to be really bad defensively. And the problem too, now for them, that's kind of compounding it. And you saw yesterday, 
is the there's injuries to consider, right? Kobe White, outside of the guys that are already out there, Kobe White and Zach Levine didn't play yesterday. They have essentially an eight-man rotation. Alfonso McKinney plays like two minutes a game. Um, and there's no offensive valve outside of DeMar DeRozan or Nikola Jokic, or excuse me, Jokic, uh, Nikola Vucevic. So DeMar DeRozan yesterday plays 41 minutes, drops 40 points himself, almost has a triple-double, but they still lose that game comfortably. And now you're playing on the second leg of a back-to-back. You might have, still have Kobe White or Zach Levine. Like, this is just, I think, really, it, it seems like a really poor situation for Chicago because they're going to be bad defensively. And now you're just hoping that you can stay healthy with all these other guys to kind of maintain your seating. Out of all of them, if we're talking about like meaty prices, because you can get them in the range of like 13 to one to miss the postseason, that would be it. And keep in mind for those listening too, because it's not just about the great Gill. It's not just the fall down to the play in. Think about the play in situation you'd be in. Think about what you could be. You could be the Chicago right. Bulls in the seventh seed, but you could get the Brooklyn Nets that you're playing host to, who then will have <laughs> Kyrie Irving. Then all of a sudden, That's the amazing. other team could be. Boston, who's a top three defensive team, the Hawks, who are a top, the, one of the best offensive teams, or the Hornets or the Raptors. Like it's a it's a gauntlet what this play-in is going to be in the Eastern Conference. And so if the Bulls slide down to that territory, now all of a sudden you're talking about some of these teams that are power rated on your same level that you got to fight through. It's it's going to be an incredible situation to follow. That's such a great point. Like oh, who, what scrub team do we get to play? Oh no, it's them. You know, right. it's the Nets or someone like that. Um, by the way, it also seems like the all-star game gets further and further back in an NBA season. Like we're almost at 60 games before an all-star. Um, okay. Rapid fire real quick before we get out of here. One, uh, Karis Levert to the Cavaliers thing or not a thing. I think it's a thing in that they, they didn't ship off the farm to address a weakness. Like their backcourt's really thin. And we know about Colin Sexton and Ricky Rubio, Darius Garland had been out of the lineup for a while too, with back soreness. So I, I like it. Cause you didn't ship off a lot and you addressed a pretty big weakness for you. So I think it's a solid thing. Do you expect a big name to be moved before the trade deadline on Thursday? It depends on what you think is a big name, like like a Demontis Sabonis potentially, like but like Jeremy Grant. But it's not the sexiest of trade deadlines. Like there's no Aaron Gordon out there who went to the Nuggets last year and who really made them into a title contender. At least I believe. Like the Nets and the 76ers, that deal can get made in the offseason. So I don't see any real pressing need to get that done. All right. Well, let me rephrase that. Impactful enough to like make a team advance to another to a to a subsequent round that they otherwise wouldn't in an NBA playoffs. Somewhat of that I would, nature. Yeah, I, I would say no, like mainly because like the, so the, the top tier players that we're kind of looking at here are like an Eric Gordon, DeMontis Sabonis, right? Like a Jeremy Grant. Wow. Those to me are ancillary pieces that would make a team better and address depth. But it's not like Jeremy Grant's going to go to like, let's say the Memphis Grizzlies and be like, oh, my God, the Grizzlies, yeah. I'm in. Like it, 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 it's not there for me. Real quick as we go, only five games tonight. Any plays? Uh, under on that Warriors Thunder game, it looks like Lugan Dort might not be out there. Their offense is bad without Shea Gilgis Alexander. The Warriors playing some pretty good defensive basketball under 212. Thank you, JVT. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you, man. Thank you. Jonathan Von Tobel. Hour number two coming back. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.